the secret societies of uh, our history. So Illuminati, Illuminati, Knights of the oh. Templar, um, Free the Masons. Freemasons. Absolutely, bro. They're, being in the UK, Freemasons oh. were all around. What we do here is go back, 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 back. The Bros and Brews podcast, yet again, on a Thursday afternoon. It is the uh, 1st of April. You know what I've just realised? April Fools. Didn't April, do any April, April Fools. Fools. Didn't receive any April Fools. No. It literally just occurred to me now. Um, if that's, right, it's yeah. too late in the day, after 12, it's, the yeah, joke's on after you. After 12. I feel like most of the last few years I've, you know, on the internet and social media and such things, always come across brands saying we're shutting down or you mm, know mm. i don't I, I i guess i haven't been on my phone or the laptop or anything that much today but i haven't seen anything about april fools at all have you i no no i haven't i haven't seen a thing but i think that's just it like we don't school anymore when you're in school i feel like it was such a a big thing um fooling everyone but i see i haven't even been able to do a pinch and a punt punch for the first day of the month i miss i miss those times just go outside and find a find a stranger find a stranger sure hey you get, get back here um yeah so it's the first of april that was not a an acted realization it just happened as i said first of april uh we're back on a thursday afternoon doing the same thing as we did last week which which we really enjoyed we kind of finished the episode and had a little debrief as we always do um some of us uh, slightly perhaps regretted our choice of a, a two standard beer for a Thursday. I, I don't know about you, but I thought my quality stood the test of, of nine minutes. But it's nice to be here on an afternoon, isn't it, bro? It is. It is. It is. There's, there's something about a, a Thursday. You're, you're pretty much through the week. It's almost the weekend. And it's the afternoon, as you were saying. So it leads very well into the thing that we are about to do. Yeah, indeed. We are back with uh, with week two of Brulette, which if you... Uh, if you missed last week's episode, if you missed season two, episode nine, and somehow you've jumped onto this episode, welcome, by all means, welcome. Um, but we'll have to explain what, what this segment is, because we're only into week two of it. Um, as a little recap, last week we, we started off Brulette, which is essentially Matt and I buying uh, a single can of beer from a New Zealand supermarket of choice, in the hope that one of these weeks, whether it be uh, this month, this year, next year possibly never um one day we will buy the exact same beer and we will celebrate in fashion and uh the fun thing for you the listener is that every week matt and i are putting two dollars uh, each into the the prize pool every week it would go up and up and up and up until hopefully fingers crossed the week where we we both buy the exact same beer and uh on that week it is up to you the listener to listen to the episode hear that we buy the same beer and take a screenshot of the episode on whatever device you listen to um and do a public post whether it be on facebook or instagram of the screenshot of the episode saying hashtag brulette and naming the beer that we have successfully snapped now we know from last week that the uh sawmill ipa is out and which parrot dog hazy was it parrot dog uh it was keith keith so they're, they're out of it. That's the other thing we should say is once we've bought a beer, it's off the table. So in theory, 
it should minimize and minimize. And I, I chatted to a few people, some people who listened to our podcast over the last week. They were varying uh, opinions on how long this might take. Some people said it'll happen this month. Some people Oof. said 20 weeks based on mm-hmm. how many different beers mm-hmm. they reckon there are in supermarkets. Um, some people said it will never happen. So I'm, I'm from, from a, a third party perspective, which obviously I'm not able to do. I'm really fascinated to see if this ever does happen. Yeah. Um, agreed. I must say, I don't know about you, but I bought my beer from a different supermarket this week. Oh, very, very different selection. And I'm, I'll just go ahead and say that a much smaller selection. So if, if I was yeah. only ever going there, you know, we might run into the sort of situation where we run out of options, but I, w- I will say there are at least a few supermarkets in Wellington where there is a, a wide range of stock. And I imagine being in central Auckland, there are a few supermarkets that sell a wide range of canned beers. Well, the supermarket that I go to actually got a small range of canned beers. Ooh. So I was actually standing in front of them for a very long time, even though there was a small selection being like, hmm, what what do I do? <laughs> so yeah it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, where, where, where we go today with this. Go today. Round two. Round two. Um, again, for those of you who missed last week or somehow have jumped into this episode, first thing we go through is the style of beer. If by some miracle those match, we go on to the, the brewery of choice. And then if those match, yelling out the name of the beer in the hope that three, all three will match. But we'll start off with the with the beer type itself. After a count of three, three, two, one, pale Double ale. Double IPA. <sighs> Foil. Bombarded on the first round. <laughs> what are you drinking, bro? Uh, I am drinking uh, the lovely uh, Garage Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, Double IPA, uh, Pernicious Weed. I stared at it. Oh, you know what? I <laughs> I was I was going through the garage project because once again, in my mind, I'm like, I'm in Auckland. He's in Wellington. Uh, we I did a Wellington beer last week. Sawmill, I believe, is up north, I mm. think. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, do I do another Wellington beer? And I was looking at, you know, your regular happy days and stuff. And uh, I was I went with the pernicious weed uh, just uh, just in the scent. <gasps> no. Oh, oh, I've just showed it. Matt on webcam that oh, what I'll be drinking oh. today is the happy days, the uh, Pacific Pale Ale from Garage Project. So we were in the right ballpark. Bro, we, we both got Garage Project. Garage we both Project. got Garage Project. <sighs> That's crazy. The happy days was right next to the pernicious weed. Yep. I looked at pernicious weed and I went, $8? Hell no. Happy days on special three fifty. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I got to start thinking like that now. <laughs> oh no, but I'm going to have to, we're going to have to buy them all. So you've well, just, true. you've banked an expensive beer. I'm yep. working my way through them all, but you know, we may not have been successful, but we should crack them open. We should. <sniffs> there we go. Oh, it's good oh. to be back. First impressions? I know you've had uh, it before, but for the people I, out there, you know, we're trying to do some educating yep. around New Zealand's uh, craft yep. craft brewery, craft beer scene. Pernicious Weed, if you're not into beer, don't start with it. It's it's a double IPA for a reason. Like, it's, uh, it's very hoppy. I mean, just straight off the bat, it's two standards once again. So I'm drinking a 330 mil drink that's two standards. You didn't do any so, recent. So I've got to be very slow with this one, um, but yeah, it, it can it 
the bitterness uh, of the hops and stuff really hits you straight away. So yeah, if you don't enjoy craft beers, pernicious weed, I think is something you kind of have to work up to. Well, any double IPA, I believe. Um, but I personally love it. I really love this beer. So we will see how I am after two standards uh, during this episode. Well, I know Harvey Days is one of your favorites, one of your most True. drinkable beers. For some reason, I, I don't think I've drunk enough Garage Project. For those people outside New Zealand, Garage Project is probably the, you'd almost call it the go-to brewery in terms of a very early player in New Zealand's craft beer culture. Yeah. It's certainly more yeah. sizable in terms of its exports, you know, I know up all up and down the country in terms of supermarkets, whereas some breweries are small in Wellington or Auckland. A, a, a giant in terms of craft beer in New Zealand. But they do do a great job and they, they have both, you know, standard... Uh, cans like Harpy Days and Pernicious Weed, but then they're always churning out, you know, mm, mm. crazy flavors. The sour dill pickle uh, yes, beer was yes. one they did last year for Wellington on the plate. But if you're listening in, you're not from New Zealand. Garage Project is probably one of the the staples. Um, Harpy Days, great drink. Had a couple of sips. It does. Uh, mm-hmm. It's I'd almost describe it as light. It's kind yeah. of yeah, kind of what you want from a lager, but with just a bit more flavor. I think mm. people drink lagers mm. sometimes because they're, you know, they're light and they're not heavy. They're good for sort of summer drinking, and the Harpy Days sort of achieves that with just a little bit more flavour. So, yeah, I haven't yeah, had I've, one in a long time, but I'm uh, very much enjoying it right from the top. Nice, nice. Yeah, I feel like a Harpy Days is something you can drink throughout the whole year. Yeah, you know, yeah. at any kind of point. Um, oh, brulette round so two, close. so close. We were in the same ballpark, same ballpark, um, but just just different different ones. That's that's uh, outstanding. We do have to consider though the the supermarket game because if you're going to run out at some point, you know, I've got a supermarket in in Wellington. You know, Schaefer's. Yeah, there's probably heaps. about fifty, and this is what I was so talking much. to people about. That's how I was justifying that this could take, you know a long time so we get through mm. 25 episodes this this year i reckon there's 50 cans so that's two years worth but right, today i went to count oh. our new town and i think there were less than 10 so you know, yeah i encourage yeah. you to explore the the supermarkets of auckland and see yeah, i will have, have a look yes I, I won't stick to the one <laughs> well you could you could well, because true, next week true. i might i haven't Very quite have figured out if we're trying to catch each other out if we're trying to evade you know is this a game of tag where we're trying to well, avoid the person or are I we mean, trying the- to figure it out and we want this because i kind of want it to happen in a year's time you know i yeah, feel like I i'm avoiding you, you rather than us trying <laughs> see, to see i feel i feel like i'm trying to catch you uh just in the sense of uh i don't know i mean you're so right because uh, uh, obviously for the viewers and the uh, the viewers the listeners that are listening in right now the longer we go uh the bigger the the kitty will be um so yeah uh, for your benefit for you listening you would be hoping that we don't get it this week and you'll be the first one to to get it when it does happen and then that way you could have quite a quite a big prize pack coming your way at some point so oh, look we're two weeks in and we're already up to eight dollars i think last time we did it we put what like 60 bucks in or something and that went really really far mm. um our winner Alan jensen could attest to that um but yeah roulette Week two, Brulette. unsuccessful. Done. We're, we're oh. figuring out a jingle. We need a kind of sound effect. <laughs> we'll get there because eventually we will. we'll have to figure out a way to make this continue to be interesting. <laughs> Week two, brulette, unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. <laughs> uh, and that leads me into pretty much just asking you with beer in hand, how are you, man? I'm good, thank you, bro. A little bit sneezy. Um, mm. A little bit. You know, the the allergies are playing up. I do get hay fever, even though no one 
opposite time of year to spring. I did put on a jumper today that I think maybe I haven't worn in a while, so possibly high profile dust, but you know, if there's any sneezing throughout this episode, I apologize to the listener. I'll try and edit it out. <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, good. I've had day off today and day off Tuesday, so two of the last three days I've been able to do some of my own stuff. Um, but as we move into Easter, because Good Friday tomorrow, um, sales are really on. And for some reason, I've just yeah. decided, you know what? I'm going to go out and buy some things <gasps> that I've what? needed to buy for a while. All of which uh, revolve around uh, acting, in a sense. Last week, I got a new phone. Um, I have a new phone. <laughs> My fir- The last time I bought a phone was three years ago. And it was secondhand phone then. So, it's a three years of a secondhand phone and i think the last time i bought a brand new phone was 2014 so it's been a long time and even then when i got that phone it was a weird like lg parallel imports whereas now i got a google pixel 4a it's just oh it sounds nice when you say it doesn't it google pixel 4a i got a google pixel Pixel 4a um which i mainly bought because they have really really good cameras so it was only 650 dollars and it's a sort of mid-range phone um but my research sort of told me that the camera quality of this is way above middle grade you know there's some things like the battery doesn't last as long as a say a two thousand dollar phone or or all those other things but 128 gigs and the the camera is fantastic and the main reason i bought it was because the tax year had come to an end um and the government was saying for self-employed people such as myself and yourself as actors uh all sorts of things to do with uh technology write-offs and what you can uh justify as a tax deductible that's kind of a lot of the admin of being being actors Mm. to do with Mm. part of the conversation we're going to have today is about being able to justify purchases uh and that's the main reason why i bought this phone um was to be able to do self-tapes on a phone with a really really good camera oh, and so course. part of this has led me into my buying other things to be part of the self-tape process and i think that's something that people don't really understand how expensive it is to be an actor when you're starting out because you have to invest so much money in things i mean i didn't have to buy a brand new phone but if you're sending off self-tapes to people and the quality is crap, you just immediately oh, seem yeah, less point? professional. Yeah. Mm. And similarly, today I've gone out and bought a, a pop-out sort of background to have um, nice. to shoot self-tapes against. I've just been mm-hmm. doing walls of houses, which tend to be grey, which is fine. But I wanted one with a sort of bright blue, which for some reason is the industry standard now. Um, and within the next couple of days with Easter sales, I'm going to buy a tripod and a lav mic, which is just a microphone that you sort of attach to your t-shirt mm-hmm. to get better mm-hmm. audio for the self tapes. Cause I found moving into this new house, the, the ceilings are really high. So the audio is really yeah. tinny. And I mean, all of that stuff altogether, I won't count the phone cause that will get used for other things, but the other stuff is probably going to be like 400 bucks, which, you know, is not wow. a massive amount of money if you compare it to buying a car or buying a house, but as part of a profession to invest that money into the potential to get work through audition. It's kind yeah, yeah, of the yeah. difficulty of being an actor when you're starting out. And mm. I've chatted to friends about this, that that being an actor is, is hard if you live, if you come from say a middly privileged background, if you come from an impoverished background, you're not privileged at all. It's even harder. And there are some people out there that, you know, don't come from a privileged background. I just think how much harder it is for people to be able to even 
you know, try and be part of this industry because mm-hmm. of how difficult it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, the last few days, um, I'm lucky to have a little bit of savings. So there is money to spend on the stuff, but it, I just, you know, I'm the person that sits at the checkout with my mouse over the, the buy <laughs> button thinking this is costing oh. so much money with no necessary, you know, guaranteed rewards coming Reward, back. Yeah. But mm. it's part of, I guess, investing in your in yourself. So that's been me the last few days nice. as someone who's nice. a, a perpetual saver and, and stinge, some people might say, <laughs> having to spend money on, on this stuff. But it's just yeah. getting over over this mental barrier of being like, no, you have to put money into yourself. This is for your your career and and we'll get we'll get on to more of more of that later on. But that's been my last few days. How are you going? Nice. Yeah, uh, I'm well. I'm 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 really well. Um yeah, the past week I've been trying to uh invest in myself a little bit more. Um however in a little bit of a different way than spending money. Um and that comes into getting into the gym uh, a bit more. Yeah, man. Yeah. I um I've uh, I mean, I've talked about what last year was to me and the struggles I've been through and stuff and just that motivation, that lack of motivation. Um, and I feel like where I am right now mentally, I'm in a really good space. And so I really just want to start looking after myself a little bit better. Um, so I jumped into the gym uh, on Saturday, did a little bit of cardio, did some weights. Um, there's also a pool downstairs as well. So I went for a bit of a swim after, kind of refresh myself. Um, and it was really good. I felt really good. I got back um, into my apartment, made dinner. I was like, yeah, I'm feeling really good. This is This is how it should be. And then I went to sleep <laughs> and I woke up on Sunday and my arms were stone. Cause stiff I did, as a board. Stiff as a board. I did a bit of cardio to warm up, rowing machine, uh, gone on the bike as well for a little bit just to warm up the muscles. And then for some reason I decided to do upper body. So I did arms, shoulders, back, that kind of thing. I did a few sets on and reps on different different things, apparatuses. And yeah, I woke up on Sunday and I was in I was in such pain. Pain I haven't felt since I was like in the gym back in high school when I was playing rugby. And my I my woke up my body was like, What the hell have you done to me? We are not capable of doing that anymore, bro. Why do I feel like this right now? And I couldn't straighten my arms, I couldn't lift my arms up. It, I, <laughs> I was in such distress, I texted my mum. I was like, mum, I've made a grave mistake. <laughs> and she was like, you know, Panadol, Advil, all of that kind of stuff. So I was taking that all through Sunday and I managed to get through the day. Uh, I woke up on Monday. I was exactly the same pain and I was trying to stretch it out and do all of that. But the, the thing I was most disappointed with is that I wanted to get into a role with getting into the gym, but I was literally out for two and a half days because I couldn't move my body because I had destroyed it so much. So life lesson now has come to the fact of take it easy. Um, I'm not a teenager anymore playing rugby. Uh, I mean, I'm strong, but my muscles are not conditioned to be able to do that stuff at the moment. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was actually really nice to feel my muscles again. As much as I was in pain, it was nice to feel like I've been working them in some way, shape or form. Yeah, it's good pain. That's, yeah, that, it is. that's why people it's, get yeah. positive, whatever those endorphins are from the gym. In a mm. different way to say sport, where you get that kind of competitive friendship, teamwork type mm. stuff, mm. or the True. sweat from it. Going to the gym, it's that positive. I think ache is a good word. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I've I've been there. I'm sure most people who oh, are at the gym periodically have. You 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 get over the hump. You're like, yeah, we're gonna go in, yeah, and you just gonna, we... it's so hard to take it easy on those first few days, and you yep. just wake up the next day, and your body is gone. Now, why would you think you could do why? that? You left me for so long, and you think you can just get away with it. And second day after is always the worst. So you know, yeah. it's yeah, it's hard when you think oh, I'll get through one day, but yeah, yeah, good. I mean. But, but I'm, overall, I'm good for you, bro. Yep. I know. I'm starting. Uh, and yeah, I just want to, yeah, look after myself a little bit more. I've um, got off the HelloFresh. I'm not doing HelloFresh anymore. Um, so I'm completely buying my meals. I'm still using the recipes because I actually really like the recipes. Um, but I'm now buying my own food and I find myself I've saved a little bit of money the past two weeks now from buying it and, you know, just filling up the cupboard and things like that. So all positive things in the sense of just trying to align my life a little bit more so I can start doing the things that I want to do and at least feel healthy and happy about it. Good for you, bro. That general well-being yeah. stuff is so important, um, mm. whether it be... Mm changing your your physical activity or making changes to the way you look after yourself with with mm. cooking and mm. all that sort of stuff and yeah i mean we talked about HelloFresh last year i think you're doing it right get into HelloFresh, do it for a few months get to understand what you like to eat and then yep. the recipes are online and you save the money of you know because i've seen the tiny pumpkin seed packets where they're probably <laughs> yeah, yeah, paying yeah the same amount of money for that tiny packet whereas if you bought a whole bag a whole, of pumpkin yeah pumpkin exactly seed. so matt did send me a picture of something that he was eating last week and oh boy did it look oh good. my gosh that was so good i'm i'm really proud of myself and and my cooking and how it's evolved over the past year so uh yeah hey anyone want to hit me up for some dinner sometime just let me know let me know <laughs> i mean sure i'll take that offer uh, hey bro anytime <laughs> sometime soon and a bit yes. thank you very much um no good to hear that you're that you're working on yourself in those capacities bro but just take it easy man take it get easy. some stretches it in thank you yes stretching yep, yep and yep. and i mean the swimming will definitely help get that yeah well that's why i wanted to do it i i love swimming but i just haven't been doing it me, we, me and james when we went up for the wedding a few weeks ago we went into the sea and i was saying to the guys this is the first time i've been in water in like a year and it felt so good and that's on me that's completely on me but yeah i love the love the water so yeah it's nice to feel that around you and yeah swim and stretch and just float <laughs> just float be at one with the water um <laughs> we should move on we should move on yes yes, yes, um, yes i got yes, a question yes, for you this week bro yes hit me and my question uh revolves around uh one of the other podcasts here on the tnc network um that's not canon and i was trying to find inspiration for this this podcast that uh, i want to promote today and i thought actually yeah there's a great way of getting into it um and so my question to you this week is what conspiracies do you believe in oh Mmm, conspiracies. Now, I'll go through a few because I know it takes a while to sort of remember some of of the big ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say some of the biggest ones in pop culture over the last sort of century have been the moon landing. Did it happen? Did it not happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, The assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, Was Mm -hmm. it just Lee Harvey Oswald? Were there more people? Um, The things that surrounded that death. Uh, 9-11 has been a big Mm -hmm. thing for some conspiracy theorists. Um, 
as well as a, a few other smaller ones that, that I, I want to get into that I put a bit of research into and, and one that popped up in a book that I was reading the other day. Ooh. But in some of the most general terms, I mean, are there any that you believe in? Are you conspiracy minded? Do you find yourself being easily taken over by <laughs> alternate realities? I, I'm just, uh, I'm interested to, to hear what you do or don't believe in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm very interested in them, definitely. Um, whether I like, I'm not a flat earther, you know, cool. in the sense of neither am I. Take that off. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. We, yeah, it, 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 like I'm not completely raging to people that I believe in this thing, but that doesn't mean I haven't thought about some stuff and seen some conspiracies and just in my own head kind of been like, yeah actually like so for instance you mentioned a few and and look once again disclaimer uh, uh, these are just my opinions and thoughts uh respect to obviously everyone and their beliefs and what has happened and everything like that that's all i just want to say but this is just what i think um first off the moon landing definitely there there is definitely a big part of me that does kind of the first initial faking of it that doesn't necessarily mean obviously we've been to the moon after that and all of that kind of stuff but just the first initial moon race was such a big political war statement for when it was all happening so to fake it could very much be a positive thing for that nation if you get what i'm saying and i've seen some things and stuff and video footage and things and i'm like i haven't been to the moon i don't know but i look at it and i'm kind of like really is that the way that physics work on the moon and stuff like that anyway they say they say that there's more technology in a current casio scientific calculator than everything that nasa used to send people to the moon and i say that as someone that believes 100 percent that we went there but when I say we, America, NASA, America, <laughs> I think it's so baffling and maddening that that happened. But I, yeah. I, no, I can, no, I hear you. I hear you. We'll keep These going because we might come, again, we might come back going. to this. Exactly. We might hit a whole exactly. bunch of them. Um, and also, uh, yeah, another one you mentioned as well is, is definitely nine eleven. I mean, with a uh, obvious first and foremost, freaking worst tragedy uh, that could possibly ever happen, but. There is some of just the science of how those buildings came down and the explosions themselves and things like that that just don't make sense for how a plane could have caused some of that stuff. And I've, I've watched a lot of videos and read a lot of things on the science behind it and ex- like the physics of a building falling down and things and whether it was just a reason to get over there and start doing what they were doing or look, if it if it is real and it was a terrorist attack then absolutely horrible but once again this is conspiracy theory whether it's real or not real i mean i i i don't know i can't i I hold for that all i can say is that it was a terrible freaking event no matter what the truth is but yeah there is definitely a part of me that looks at that and was a bit like "Ah." but yeah um other than that i believe in aliens as well we are not the only we have talked about this before we are definitely not the only ones here and they have definitely been here on earth and there is a lot of cover-up behind it for sure nice i mean again (laughs) all things being fair so long as we're respectful to people involved in said events and we're not interested in in coercing anyone to our opinions i I think discussing conspiracy theories can be healthy to a point you know 
what is information, what's available, mm. Uh, mm. questioning history. You know, they say that uh, history is always written by the winners. Um, you know, you can go to certain parts of the world where the understanding of what happened in the world wars is completely different than yours and mine based True. on where people grew up yeah, who yeah, yeah. won or or lost those world wars. Um, there are, you know, all sorts of people that believe all sorts of things. And I think conspiracy theories can get a really bad rap for good reason, particularly when it comes yeah. to things like COVID and vaccinations where people who have opinions can risk the health mm, and safety mm. of, of other people. Um, that can be the dark 5G. side of, of 5G, the dark side of conspiracy theories. But then again, I think analyzing history and events and freedom of information and what we know about uh, politics and society and culture and how those things intermingle i think there's a reason why most people have some fascination with conspiracy theories and why it's always such a good conversation topic um yeah and well, that, it's the it's the whole the, the the debate it's all debate like the debate is good to question someone and stuff like that it's just don't be don't be crude and we, it's, we're, we're allowed to have our own opinions and stuff like that but uh, don't force it have a discussion about it and conspiracy theories can sometimes be really educational i mean i've yeah. watched a lot of moon landing debunking stuff i know mythbusters did a whole episode where they mm. broke down all the main True. you know the flag waving random camera shots reflections the moon print and you learn things about yeah. science from that that you wouldn't have otherwise known by people explaining hey these are why the things are the way they are in terms of mm. the gravity mm. of, of situations um but yeah, I mean, the reason I bring it up is because there's a fantastic podcast on the TNC network uh, called The Paranoid Strain, uh, whose creator is called Fearful Jesuit. Uh, the Paranoid Strain is the name of the feed, if you're searching on Spotify or anything. Um, and he's just got this fantastic feed of content all around conspiracy theories. I mean, cool. I was having a look through his uh, back catalogue and, you know, there's episodes on some of the things I brought up before, uh, QAnon, uh, JFK, uh, assassination attempts that aren't related to, to JFK. I mean, lots of figures throughout history have been uh, suggested to have been intentionally killed. Um, mm -hmm. But he's just come back with this new series that's going to focus on the secret societies of uh, our history. So Illuminati, Illuminati Knights of oh. the Templar, um, the Freemasons, absolutely, Ooh. bro. They're, being in the UK, Freemasons were all around. Yeah, and even yeah. just listening to the sort of first half an hour of this this new, the new sort of subject focus, I was like getting that reaction. What you just did, the oh, the yeah, Freemasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love I love that because in, for everyone that knows, I play video games, and Assassin's Creed has a lovely lore built into its story is all the um through like historical events yeah but it's obviously they've they've um changed it to kind of fit you know uh they put a disclaimer in it it's like these are based on historical events but yep. not necessarily like we have changed it and yet that that whole assassin's creed story is about the templars and all of that kind of stuff secret societies and i, I find that stuff fascinating it's historically um, so interesting right? yeah like, forget definitely. all of the 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 conspiracy of 
you know, what the power that these people in these societies might hold have just from a looking back at, you know, ancient Greek society or mm, the mm. Crusades, you know, as a, as a starting point to go and look back through those periods. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was just quickly, I was watching, uh, Alexander, uh, the great, the movie the other day, Colin Farrell. Um, and I, I obviously know Alexander the great, but when I was watching the movie, I was like Googling and going through everything and being like, oh, did the, did all of this like really happen? And oh yeah, oh wow, this is, I didn't know this part of history kind of thing. So you're so right. I think ancient societies and, and what they were up to and what they were able to do in the world and where we are now is fascinating. So I will definitely be checking that out. And I hope everyone listening right now, go do the same thing because I'm excited I hope you were excited. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a mixture of long form and short form. I think some of the longer episodes, uh, you know, say the moon landing needs two and a half hours, but, you know, you can jump in and out. Oh, yeah. yeah you this can is the thing I say to people forever. all the time. You don't have to, even with our podcast, which is sort of more 90 minutes now, you can listen to half and come back in, whatever. But some of them are shorter, more like 30 minutes based on the, the nice. subject. Nice, shouldn't, shouldn't sweat. Um, but yeah, the paranoid strain. Uh, and as as I said, uh, the episode's rolling out uh, in the next few months. And I think he was saying possibly up to the next year because there are so many societies to get into it uh, all about the uh, the groups of people and what they were up to throughout history. Um, but before we put a wrap on this, I wanted to throw at you some interesting pop culture conspiracies that I came across in a Vulture article. Oh, yes. Some me. of which I'd never heard before, um, but some of them I do find interesting. Um, one of them, that there's new Avril Lavigne, an old Avril Lavigne, that I Avril have, Lavigne. I, yep. he's, again, mm-hmm. some of these you've heard of, you don't necessarily have. have to believe in them. This mm-hmm. theory that... Uh, the original Avril Lavigne either died or went into hiding and someone took her place. There's quite a few of those in the yeah. famous people who are no longer around. Um, the the faked deaths uh, conspiracies, Michael Jackson, Tupac Shakur, uh, Elvis. You know, some people swear that Elvis lives in like the north of England and is working in a chip <laughs> shop. Yeah. Very popular conspiracy theory in the UK. <laughs> um, one about... Uh, the fact that Khloe Kardashian is O.J. Simpson's daughter because O.J. Oh. Simpson and uh, uh, Chris, Chris um, you know, back in the day knew each other very well and some people think that Khloe doesn't look like her siblings. Um, and then two, that it's sort of related. One, which I'd heard about and one, which I hadn't. Uh, the rolling front or rowling front is a conspiracy theory that the person we know to be J.K. Rowling is did not write the Harry Potter books. She is simply the persona, the front of that series, and that someone else wrote the books. And the person we believe to be J.K. Rowling is just the the public figure, which I'd like never heard before. Like Shakespeare, which is the one oh. that I come to, and I've read this oh. this brilliant book called The Air Affair by Jasper Ford, which was all about this world where there's uh, yeah, special operations people that deal with book fraud and I won't go into it but an underlying uh, kind of th- topic throughout the story is is the protagonist talking to people about the, the theory that William Shakespeare did not write the plays that we believe to be written by him and there's this mm. whole list of other people who you know certain people believe to have been far more likely to have written these great works than this lowly commoner from Stratford is Francis Bacon, who was a philosopher around the time and the kind of knowledge to write the words and 
philosophical ideas that some people would say this person, William Shakespeare, would never be able to write. Christopher Marlowe, an accomplished playwright, um, who people say that, you know, his death was faked and that he then became Shakespeare. And uh, there's a 17th Earl of Oxford. There's all sorts of these people that history might suggest Mm. were more likely to write these, these plays. And I think that's a great snapshot of conspiracy that uh jesuit fearful talks about on the paranoid strain there's a difference between something being true and something seeming to make sense and if if we can convince to oh does it make sense yeah that could make sense that's enough for a talking point without necessarily being true um yeah 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 so many can i think we think of conspiracies as being such big ones but there's so many small tiny ones and did shakespeare write his plays as one that you and i will always be invested in for the love of the love of the work but we love the works oh but doesn't matter who wrote them uh, probably not i'm i'm so i'm so far removed from that time now that i'm like yeah i love this stuff yeah shakespeare is the guy that i'm gonna believe in if someone comes out and is like actually proves it kind of thing then i'll be like okay uh i'll stop saying shakespeare's name then but it'll always be shakespeare to me always the bard well the bard is intentionally isn't it yeah Yeah, true but we'll put a wrap on conspiracies there uh the paranoid strain is the podcast one of many great uh podcasts on the tnc podcast network um secret societies conspiracies if that's your cup of tea we highly encourage you to go and listen to them um, and any other podcasts on the tnc network but we've got to move on nice we've got to move on we've got to move on so much to pack in today so Um, much oh do you want to tell them about our little mishap or are we going to let it ride through or are we just going to pretend it never happened or you know what now that you've brought it up people will be curious so thanks for that for just putting me in the dog box well we couldn't Um, edit it out no, no 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 that's too much work we don't want to do that true um I, yeah, I accidentally prepped for the wrong episode uh, today. <laughs> I was uh, getting too excited and I got ready for next week's episode. So next week's episode is ready to go. So hopefully I'll have a lot to talk about. Um, but nonetheless, I have a lot to talk about today. And today's actual topic, now that I know and what we will be talking about, um, is about agents and representation in um, the entertainment industry. And I mean, that's pretty much the most easiest way to to say it is is having someone represent you and they, you know, help you with your work and and get you work and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm saying this from a very simple point of view in the sense of I don't have an agent and it is definitely something that is on my forefront and I'm trying to do and get prepped for. Um, but today, me and James really just wanted to kind of dive into it a little bit more because um, James obviously has the the, the honour of being represented um, and, he, you know, he is, he is with a team and with, with that. So, yeah, today I basically just wanted to hear his stories um, and explain what having an agent is about. Um, and every now and then I might just flick in a few questions and stuff and get a few tips and tricks i must say off air not on the podcast i've already might have received a few tips and tricks um but we basically just wanted to put it into into this format of the episode because for those listening and 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 love our stuff and maybe potentially trying to do exactly the same thing and get into the the world of entertainment um this episode might be beneficial in gaining some confidence in grabbing some representation and agency so i pass it on to you now james 
Yeah. I mean, it's funny. We did an episode in the past called Casting and Representation, where representation in that sense of the word meant uh, the representation of people from all walks of life within the industry. Mm. So whether that be by ethnicity or sexuality or how you, uh, you know, your story, your walk of life. In this sense, representation is, is more literal in that you are represented by someone who works as your guess business uh associate in a sense and i think Mm. agents is an aspect of the performance industry that unless you're part of it you kind of don't really know how it works Mm. i think most people have nothing to do with the acting industry go oh yeah agents there's agents out there and they do something but don't actually know what it is they do and i thought we might sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit today particularly because matt having uh freed up some of his time to pursue his creative <laughs> endeavors it's it's definitely a big step uh in that in that area something that you you kind of have to do but most people tend to as a stepping stone towards having more creative opportunities um so agents what do they do i guess it depends on where you are in your career if you are tom hanks and you i think tom hanks is a bad example because i think he might be the person that only accepts scripts for new films sent to his letterbox in the u.s so he might be a bad example oh interesting yeah that my brain's just let's say you say you're tom hanks you are massively established everyone knows you can you can definitely act um, you can do and you can do anything and you get to the point where you can pick your own projects Tom Hanks only needs to act in stuff that he's interested in acting in. And I don't know if he has an agent. He might have three agents. He might have a UK agent and an American agent. In that instance, their job would be to bring projects to him to say, hey, I've been approached by Christopher Nolan or, you know, M. Night Shyamalan or this writer. They want you to be involved in this project. Have a read. Would is something that you'd be interested in. And at that point, most of their work would be negotiating a massive salary for Tom Hanks because he's a massive actor and can afford to ask for a certain amount of money for his services. That's for people that are massively established. For people like myself and yourself, early on in our careers, the role of the agent is, I would say, to help young actors have as much access to different auditions as possible and that wasn't seek, seek and find right seek and find so um, so and i so if you're big and established instead of it presenting it for us establishing actors it would be to to seek and find work for yeah, us yeah more. seek and find work yeah. and help you garner a reputation reputation mm-hmm. um obviously the role of the agent once you book a job whether it's a tiny extras role or whether you're Tom Hanks booking your next massive blockbuster. It is their job to negotiate salary and pay and their cut. That would be the same for myself and yourself. So they always operate that function, but that's kind of a secondary, like once you've got the work, it's all that finding work stuff that they are providing Mm. the most uh, value for you. Um, And so the relationship between actors and agents, for the most part, uh, is one where the actor only pays the agent 
when they book something. It's considered non-ethical practice to charge actors to be on on an agent's books. That's what the sort of slang is. To be on someone's books is to be represented by them. And all across the world, if an agent wants you to pay to be on their books, I'd immediately say you're not interested in being with them. Because part of the sort of unspoken contract between you and your agent is that they are trying their hardest to get you work and they believe that you're talented enough that they will get you work and when that time comes then they will be rewarded financially for it so yeah i I mean the the percentages that agents charge very massively worldwide it massively varies based on the project you're in you know film can be different from uh radio can be different from commercial based on how much work they consider it to to be normally it's around the the 10 to 20 percent mark um commercials tend to be a bit more money uh theater tends to be less because there's less money in it um but again varies based on you know continent and country and, and the specifics of the the agencies but as money comes into it that's only ever at least within equity and good union practices after you have booked something which is one of the positives for an actor because you shouldn't be put off getting an agent from thinking you have to pay them anything you should Mm. be meeting them in the middle as a sort of exchange of free skills i offer you the agent the opportunity to make money from me because i'm talented i will book these (laughs) jobs and you'll make money from it and they say well i have skills to know people casting directors someone from Netflix is emailing through to me and I'll put you up for this audition and I'll get you in the room and therefore you will pay me money for that trade of services. And that's what it is. The whole point of having an agent is having someone kind of in your corner that is helping you through the difficult industry. Because if you don't have an agent, it can seem very, very lonely and that you're Mm. fighting for yourself and there's no one in your corner and one of the things that an agent uh offers you with representation is someone to kind of fight for you um yeah i guess i guess that's a a short-ish summary of of what they do um so agents will send you know their actors uh, audition notices hey we've been approached for this project would you be interested in auditioning for it if so this is when your audition is this is when your self tape is due uh sometime agents put you forward for roles so a project might come along let's say random netflix movie the uh the netflix movie emails all the agents in new zealand and says hey these are all the roles we have who do you have that you think might be appropriate agent goes through all the acts and says oh matt would be perfect for that role we'll put him forward and they send all your information off to the casting people at netflix you know your picture and maybe a showreel if you've got one your details and the people at netflix go oh yeah he sort of fits the graphic get him an audition and so they'll send off the scripts and the agent will email you and say matt we've got you an audition for this netflix project here are the lines learn it yada 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 sometimes uh it's more specific a casting director might have worked with you before or seen you audition before and they will email your agent directly and say hey we'd really like matt specifically to audition for this role and i guess part of the agents helping your trajectory is to try and get more into those second lot of auditions it's part Mm. of the being known so 
that's why when Tom Hanks gets approached, I'm using him as a fill. I have no idea how Tom Hanks works, <laughs> but it's, hey, we'd love him to audition for this. We'd be yeah. really interested in working with him. That's where you're trying to get to rather than the starting out point where the agents are saying, hey, give Matt a go, get Matt in there. And that's part of the audition process. In fact, most of the audition process is you trying to send off good work, whether it be a self-tape or being in the room with casting directors, so that the next time they have a thing, they go, oh, let's get Matt in for this. He might be right. Oh, he doesn't end up being right for the role, but you keep doing good work and sending good work through your agents that they and casting directors which are the people that work for Netflix, for these independent film companies, TV New Zealand, whatever, they start to get to know you and the agent becomes kind of the funnel whereby things Mm. come through to you. You don't have to have an agent. People have been successful without having serious representation before. It just makes the networking 100% your own you have to do all the work yourself there's no random email that comes through on a wednesday saying hey you have an audition for this because a lot of it happens behind the scenes and you want to have a reputation uh, a relationship with your agents that gets more and more personal over time they understand you you understand them you trust them uh that they're working for you to the best of their abilities but you kind of have to let them do their thing. I'm sure mm. there are actors all around the world that are every week emailing me like, what auditions are coming in? How did, what did they think about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any auditions that I've done with my agency, which I should say as Johnson and Laird, they're based in Auckland, wonderful people um, working there. I've been with them for coming up to nine, between six and nine months. Um, and they've been fantastic. So shout out JNL. Um, yeah, I'm not the kind of person to, after every audition, be like, hey, did they love me? Did they think, you know, yeah, when... No, no, because no, no, no. that will do nothing for you. But I no. imagine there must be actors that do that all their time and agents probably like, just just let it be. They'll either let, love let me, it or yeah. they won't. This this yeah. questioning, you know, you're not going to receive helpful feedback very mm. much mm. of the time. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I think I think that's... that's I, I think that's a very beautiful way of putting how that all works i think for me to to diving it in and and stuff like that and kind of um you know understanding where us actors come from and stuff like we have to have strong skin right you know like we we will not always you will you will not always get work so i guess it's that you know you've you've really got to be sure about yourself and and you know those kind of insecurities of you know, not thinking you're good enough or able enough and things like that. I mean, it's like time will come, right? I mean, yep. that's their job. Uh, if you don't get it one time, you don't get it the next time. So I guess my question to you is in the sense of how do you kind of cope with with that? Is there a, you know, a, a, I know the type of person that you are, uh, but is there some way that you kind of have managed to come across that with being an agent and potentially not getting work and getting work and things yeah it's difficult it's really it's just growing i mean that's been the last sort of year and a half two years for me is is realizing how little of it is out of your control particularly Mm. when it comes to screen stuff because the the casting is it's so little to do with your ability as an actor i mean as an example there was something i auditioned for last year uh, a small role in a thing. It was screen. That's all I'll say. Um, but it was a role that was uh, a younger version of of someone else. So 
all the casting was to, being done based on lookalikes. You know, how many times mm. in TV shows and films mm. you see the young version or the older version, and a lot of the time you go, "Whoa, they really look like that person." <laughs> um, and I thought I did a really good old, old job with the audition. The people I auditioned with, they they seemed pretty happy with it. I walked out of there having done two takes, and like, you nailed it. We don't need to do it again. Um, didn't get the part. Was a little bit disappointed to not get the mm. part. And then through a certain circumstance later on that I, I won't go into, um, I met slash saw slash discovered the person that got the part. And I went, yeah, you look way more like, yeah, you look perfect. Yeah. And you, why would anyone ever choose, you know, sometimes it's just as objective of that and you're just not right. Mm. And I think auditioning uh, with things that come through your agent, all you can do is, like learn the lines, be as prepared as possible and do the best audition you can and then leave mm. and forget about it. You yeah, have to just yeah. walk out of the room and it's not being, I think what I've had to try and figure out is I can be quite a pessimistic person and there's a difference between leaving it, the audition and going, oh, well, I'll never get it. It'll never come to me because that's pessimism. There's a fine line between that and walking out of the room and being like, I know the audition, there's nothing more I could do. They want me or they don't want me. Yep. For whatever reasons, reasons that I can't control. Uh, but it's been a real development. Seriously, over the last, mm. you know, mm. uh, nine months being with JNL and then times before that when I wasn't represented, you have to just learn to trust your own. I mean, it Ability. sounds kind of cheesy, but yeah, trust your own craft and your talent yeah. and just understand that this is a long game. Yeah. And it's, it wraps up. Uh, exponentially you know super slow and then the more you go along the more people get to know you the more auditions you come the more stuff's coming through at the same time um yeah i think that is arguably the key skill to learn as an actor as is that tough skin not so much in projection because most of the time you don't get someone saying no to your face it's more just don't hear anything yeah it's just understanding that if you didn't get something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. And I think the the thing about agents is, you know, if you're sending them through self-tapes, a lot of the times they'll say, oh, good work, we're sending it on, you know? And even if it's just that tiny affirmation um, mm. can be someone in your, in your corner and you have to trust that these people have been working in the industry for a lot longer than you have, if they say, that was a really good, great tape, that's all you can do. Most likely, if you didn't get it, your hair color was wrong, your nose is too big, or there was someone else. Um, but I guess what I what I can speak to is the as having an agent. You feel like things are going on behind the scenes, even if you're not auditioning. Yeah. Whereas, so I came out of drama school in the UK in September 2019, um, and that back end of the the period of that that sort of training is all about getting representation um particularly for the uk students uh who for years have been auditioning for uh casting directors and agents they came into the school um not i should say not our course and that was one of the beefs was that we didn't have that but to be fair we were only there for a year some of these kids have been there for three years and they have Mm. more time to do that and it gets to the point at the end of the year where you do a showcase and you go to london and you audition and people come and see you and all of a sudden it stops being about the training and it's about the kind of gross who will want me 
environment yeah, and all of a sudden yeah, these yeah, people yeah. go from all being best mates to once the showcase is over you're either signed or you're not and it's about who you're signed with because you know in new zealand there's not that many actors which means there aren't that many agents i mean we think it's you know we think there's lots here but compared to london where are thousands and thousands of actors coming out hundreds of amazing young actors every year it's so competitive and there's probably over 200 agents in london wow. and they range from just absolute crap you know people who just cast for infomercials and you know sure it pays but for most people it's not what they want to be mm. Mm. doing all the way up to uh uh, agency called United Agency is a good example who probably represents half of the British actors you would consider to be like famous. They're just top all tier. on those books. And mm. it's exactly that. So there's top tier and middle tier and low tier, all these words and jargon about, oh, you want to sign with a top tier agent and you don't want to sign with... And everyone has different philosophies on it because some people will firmly believe if I'm not signing with a top tier agency, I'm not going to be seen by Netflix and BBC and these international companies. Some people go the opposite way and say, if you think you're going to walk into United and be more important than Tom Hiddleston, you're dreaming. You're so low at the bottom of the, the pool. Even if United has 10 agents working for the 200 actors, you're, you're the last priority. Maybe there's some truth to that. So some people really want to sign with mid-tier agencies where there's less clients and they can offer mm. you a more personal service. And you could argue that it's similar in New Zealand because there is a, a hierarchy of people at the top who are well-known and have lots of connections but maybe have more actors on their books. So the distribution of talent to agents in the same way of going to school, uh, teacher-to-student ratio was always perceived mm. as kind of a reflection of quality of learning in a similar way it's a ratio of quality of investment and time so some people would say sign with someone super small even if they don't have the networks because they will be there fighting for you because they need you to get stuff to make them the money some people in big agencies in the uk like they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cut from big actors so it kind of doesn't matter you know so there's lots yep. of different philosophies around it and so I got came out of drama school and couldn't help but be sucked up in this expectation. And there's very much a, if you don't get signed, you'll never get any work attitude. Um, and we had a showcase, but for a long story, which I don't have time to go into. Because we were international actors, agents had less interest in us, far less interest in us. Um, whether it be because they anticipate you go back home to your own country or they think well he's american so he can't do an rp accent so that cuts him out of lots of auditions for whatever reason very few comparatively people came to our showcase and no one from our class got signed by an agent from that where i think everyone from the graduating uk students got signed some of them by these wow. massive agencies and that was a really hard pill to swallow because yeah. it was a why does no one think i'm worth taking on you take on that self-doubt and you think, why would no one invest any time in me? I'm unique. I'm different. Being the only Kiwi, I was like, surely mm, someone mm, wants mm. a New Zealand actor. But yeah, no one signed any of us. And so after having moved to London, there was a big process of searching through all these, you know, 200 agents and figure out who was taking on new clients and, you know, who could you email? And some of them wanted you to write letters to them. And a similar case to what I said earlier about spending money i think i spent 
about a hundred pounds just on like postage and stamps and printing out Whoa, quality headshots heck? because some of these places like you have to you post have to. to us. Mm. Um, and I think I sent off maybe like 40 emails and like 15 to 20 letters. And I think, so let's say 50. Mm-hmm. I think I heard back from five agents all said wow. no and varying levels of politeness I remember one of them that was really lovely. That was a top tier agency. They said, you're clearly really talented. We love your work. Unfortunately, we have someone on our books at the moment who is very similar to you. Uh, and we, this is common practice in lots of agencies mm. is to mm. not take two of the same person yep. visually on because if you know the Netflix film comes down where they want this type of person, they can't put you both up because it would be seen as... I guess bad practice. So that agency yeah. turned me down. I'd like to think purely because they had someone else that looked like me, and that sucked. Because I was like, "That does." That's yeah, almost harder yeah. than someone being like, "No, we're not taking anyone on." There were a couple of other polite replies where people said, "We really, you know, we like you, but we're not taking anyone on at the moment." Because again, that's responsible practice from agencies to not have a thousand actors on, because they're meant to be investing a certain amount of time into the people that they represent. So. Long story short, didn't get represented that time that I was in London. I was what's called self-represented. You know, I was on the websites, you know, you pay for memberships for some people who advertise roles for things that you you don't need an agent for. And um, sometimes they're tiny things. Like I did a, a document, a short doc for some uni students that were doing a, a thing based on mental health and they just needed someone to act out the sort of footage being discussed and they paid me a hundred pounds for it and it was worthwhile and i got the real <laughs> stuff from it and sometimes you got you, your postage back yeah sometimes you can get <laughs> really big jobs like i the one really positive thing that happened to me while i was in the uk was i got a tv commercial job just representing myself i was on a website called mandy which would be the equivalent of like wellington actors group on facebook but you pay a membership and everyone that posts has to be accredited and pass all these things so you know they're a proper company um and yeah i got this tvc commercial for canon cameras based off just doing an audition they liked me so i did the callback and then they liked me and one other guy so there were two of us that they were hiring and it didn't matter that I didn't have an agent. Everyone else at the callbacks definitely did because they were all talking about it. And I was sitting there in the corner being like, <laughs> it's just me. Yeah. But I got the job. It didn't make yeah. any difference because once you're in the yeah, audition hard. room, at that point, they don't care about it's you. who you're. It, it is all you. So yeah. the agents is important to get you in the room. Mm. Most of the mm. time, they're really helpful. Whether that room be literally an audition room or the self-tape that you request that you get. But once you're in there, it doesn't matter who you who you're with and so that that commercial that i did for canon which unfortunately has never been aired because it uh covid stuff meant that for whatever reason they didn't air it which is dumb really annoying i'm still a year later over a year later i'm still trying to chase it up um uh, but yeah i got paid a good amount of money for that and didn't have to give 20 percent to an agent because i didn't have one so i was like sweet you guys sweet. are you but yeah, that that period of time in, in London was really difficult because yeah. when you're not being represented, you think you're missing out on all these opportunities. And in some cases, that's true. And then coming back here, I decided, you know what, I definitely want to be repped. And so the process mm. is a bit different because rather than trying to be a 
you know a small fish in a big pool in a sense of what London was here I am not a big fish in a small pool but I was able to come back and say hey I've trained somewhere where no one else has trained I've come back home I'm interested in signing with you uh, and through that uh yeah I got ripped by Johnson and Laird and, and since being back I you know can happily say that I've got some fantastic auditions from from JNL um the relationship with them is certainly you know we're progressing and meeting more casting directors and stuff but the other thing to say is just because you're ripped doesn't mean you can't get work through other sources I mean I've had more work over the last few months from just random networking um it's been amazing you know I did this show last year at Bats that was just through people who were new from uni and that was paid um working for this company called Outstanding Performance that provides actors to institutions like Police College and the hospital that need actors and that was through people that I knew and doing extras and stand-in work on uh some screen productions through someone that I knew that was involved in casting and all of this didn't come through agents so you can get work you just kind of want to maximize as many options as as possible and I guess what I said before about agents helping you get in the room is sort of their function but once you're in there it's just you it's all on you Yeah. yeah that's uh that's 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 cool and i think that's been the biggest thing that i've kind of come to terms with trying to sort this all out for me it was a i had a big fear in the sense of oh if i'm gonna get an agent then can i do anything else but i've obviously as you've just explained and i came to the realization myself it's like no of course i can do my own thing but it's like you said that i guess it's the you know small pond big pond kind of thing your agent is there to be able to get you into the big pond um if if you have the ability to get there but otherwise you can keep swimming yourself and find your own things and create and do your own things and I think that's the thing that I'm the most excited for in the sense of just trying to build my connections um up here and getting my foot in the door um just meeting new people and making new friends and things like that but yeah I I think a lot of what you said is definitely something that I'm doing at the moment in the sense of like going through all of the different agencies and looking through the books and things and being like am I here already Um, that's it because that was a big thing in the UK because they have so many people people mm. had been really had that over the head they said if they have someone that's you don't bother because it's just a waste of time and effort back here because there's less options that might not be you know in London I'm looking for people that I thought were dead ringers for me and sometimes there works the pool of people is so huge whereas here maybe you can't be quite so selective but true you know one of the agencies might just have someone that is so much like you that you just think no I can't you know it can't be them See, I feel like I'm a pretty unique person, but yeah. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've had a message from someone being like, hey, are you on this bus right now? I'm like, no, I am not. Or like, are you at the park? No, I am not. So uh, very much, I, I have doppelgangers out there, but whether they're in the acting industry and things like that. So yeah, I have definitely filtered through books and things. And I think like one thing you said as well is is making sure that you know you're going to work with people that are going to fight for you and yeah. you're going to have a good relationship with, you know, um, I've had a, a talk with another friend of mine um, and sh- she said exactly the same thing to, you know, have these meetings with these people and, you know, they get to know you, you get to know them and being able to have that relationship, they're going to fight for you no matter what and get you the things and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm definitely looking at, 
you know, the the tiers, as you were saying as well, like what tier do I feel like I can kind of slip into and and feel like I can get the most work from and stuff. So I'm still trying to get my head around it all and, and I, I'm trying to get my eggs in a row in the sense of, you know, I, I need to get headshots. Um, I'm trying to get my show reel put together as well. I've done a few projects over the past couple of years, so just trying to get that show reel together. Um, and then, uh, but I, I think, I think for me is like, I definitely have a lot of insecurities, but I think that's because I really haven't had the opportunity of it yet. Like I haven't really felt what it's like. So I know that once I get it and stuff, like I really do just have to trust my ability. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've always had with my acting. Like I, I know I'm a good actor, but there's, I think I still have a little bit of doubt and not having acted in a whole year and trying to get back into it now I'm kind of like wow where am I um but I I think that's just a lot of me and what I need to work through and stuff like that over the over the coming weeks and months and keep having conversations with people and, and keep learning as well I think is something that I need to do so um yeah I'm definitely excited for what's uh what's to come but I think it's for me to someone who's hasn't been in that part of the industry before still find it very daunting um which is but, fair enough because it, it can be it, it mm. introduces this new aspect of business to what is fundamentally a creative endeavor you know people like you and i we don't want to deal with the um the money and the, the emailing and the, <laughs> yeah, the deadlines yeah, yeah, yeah. and that we just want to make work but this is why agents are good at what they do is mm. that they are so skilled at managing all that stuff which is part of a reason why you want to be represented you want to feel like there's someone else taking care of all that different stuff and in the best case scenario you form a relationship with them and then 20 years time when you're incredibly successful they're they are the ones that are saying you know, you've got two mil coming in from here and some of this is going out to here. And, you know, you want those people that started out with you at a young age. That's why you see all sorts of stories of people who win you know, Emmys and, and Oscars and stuff for the first time often thank their agents because a lot of the times it's someone who knew you when you started out and fought mm, for you and have continued to work with you as you've gotten more and more and more successful. So it's viewing it as as a positive uh, adding to your team mm. rather than the, the scary big business aspect of it. But man, it's hard. And once you have an agent, then it's hard to not think, oh, well, I'll get auditions every week. And then you don't get auditions every week and you think, <laughs> yeah. are they are they working on other actors? Do they not care about me? You know, there's other difficult questions that come through when you are represented. It doesn't guarantee you anything. You still have mm. to be brilliant in auditions but it gives you it opens other doors that might otherwise have been closed yeah and i think that's just it it's it's being able to get the representation and just put it in your pocket right and keep doing the things that you love like you like you know you as you said you're doing other things outside of that you're not just sitting there at home waiting for the next audition and the next audition and the next audition you're going out and doing things so i think for me that's one thing i'm quite excited about in the sense of uh making connections and meeting new friends that if i do get representation then having the ability to just be able to keep that in the pocket but still endeavor to create and meet and learn outside of just sitting here in my apartment waiting for an audition to pop up because I think that's toxic and that's not an environment that we want to be a part of so 
yeah i think the way that you described that is very reassuring um and yeah i'm sure it will happen (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely and i think one of the positives about new zealand is it's slightly less businessy than in the uk where it's Mm. so 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 competitive and i could go down the rabbit warren of how to write an email to an agent in the uk some people believe never even mention that you're looking for representation you just email people and say you're a fan of their bro the amount of hours that i spent looking into who you know agents had these people on their books watching shows with those actors in them just so i could write the email to the agent saying i love these actors the jobs that you've got you know that level of input and investment was too much and at least in new zealand <laughs> it's a little more friendly as things yeah often yeah. are in aotearoa um yeah let it be daunting in that it's a serious stage in your career but that's a positive you're taking a step for yourself exactly but it doesn't need to be daunting in in any other restricting you as a creative because if they're a good agent they should want you to be doing other things to help develop your craft and to you know anything where you make a network might get you a job which might get them money as as crude as that sounds that is the nature of the situation everyone is trying to earn a living from these wonderful creative industries that we we all love so much yeah well that i i and i mean that's what you you know said just before it's a it's a business right it's that business aspect aspect of it and i think that's one thing that i'll always take away from uh someone that i had a conversation with down in wellington years ago that in this industry like we have to be able to pimp ourselves you know like we have to be proud of of who we are and what we're doing because we are the product so we have to be proud of that product and being able to uh you know stretch the muscles and learn more and and do more and things like that and i think that's exactly what an agent's going to do if they're if they like the product that you are then they will want to try and sell that product and potentially get profit from it themselves so yeah i think there's i i think that's where it comes down you know my big thing with with this agency and stuff is is just having that strong skin and being very sure in your ability and who you are and and what you want to do going forward because I know that that's definitely something that is a bit of a dark hole in myself um like I said I think I value that to the past year and everything that's happened but I feel like I'm in a very good state of mind now where I have the ability to kind of uh value and see what I can can do and be proud to be like frick yeah i can do this you know um so yeah i think that's the that's the big thing i can can take out of something like this and the next step for sure and it's just help it's all helping build that uh psychology of being act, an actor to be able to walk into a room do your thing and leave and say i'm great but they might not want me and that's their yeah. fault they miss out on having me the next thing will will come along um one of the the agents at JNL because uh, I'm it's it's a team so different things come from different people. One of the things that I really value from one of the the agents there is uh, w- you know when you find out that you didn't get something, she'll say on to the next, and I'm like yeah, yeah on to the next yeah, thing, on to the That's next. Fine, it's you know it's just another Let's job see. that you know on to the next one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a weird 
a weird aspect of the industry that, for example, you don't get taught HIDVIC. And it was a, a no, seriously helpful aspect of um, training at uh, Bristol Vic Theatre School was putting this time into understanding that side of the business and all the other flow and effects of casting and coming to peace with the roles that you will never get cast in on screen because they're just not who you are. Figuring out who you are as an actor, uh, not in your method, but what do you look like? Because you mm. will probably get cast in roles around how you look um that kind of self-reflection and how that leads into the business of what is an incredibly difficult industry is something that i don't think people get taught enough um for people that want to enter the industry um and that's certainly something that i i'm looking forward to sharing with with you as we both continue to develop as kind of the source of of today's main focus and why we wanted to to talk about this because it seems like this really really difficult un you know creative part of the industry and in some ways it is but but it can also be a massive positive once you kind of figure out why everything moves in a, a certain way yeah yeah exactly and i think i yeah i just want to say thank you for sharing your experiences because i completely value your experience and everything that you have done so far and i i I definitely as a friend um but as a person of talent i very much look up to you and and what you're doing and everything bro so thank you very much for for sharing once again and uh being insightful to the people that may be listening and thinking exactly the same as things as as we are so thank you you're welcome bro um what are you watching to turn a corner what are you watching what have you been watching watching? what are you watching tell the people (sighs) at home okay i've got a few things i've got a few things but one thing that i've been watching on the screen i gotta say um it's finished there's only one episode left tonight uh and (laughs) and that is my guilty pleasure uh the new zealand bachelor I uh, finished it, uh, well, the last episode was last night, Uh, I must admit, uh, the woman I thought was the best fit did get picked, Um, so I was very happy in that sense, Um, and yeah, once again, I mean, we briefly talked about, you know, these social experiment shows and Bachelor and Married at First Sight before and stuff, and I just find the psychology and sociology behind those shows fascinating. And just the ability that some people don't have being able to cope with it. And then how some people really can just take it under their, their wing. Because I, I kind of backtrack in the sense of something that I've, I've said before. In the sense of I don't think I could ever see myself on one of those shows. I think I could definitely see myself on one of those shows. Because I feel like I have the ability to really be in the moment of something. And understand like why this is happening. So bachelor for instance right let's say i was on the bachelorette and i was competing i put it in quote marks for everyone that can't see my fingers competing in a tv program to find or you know love or date or whatever i feel like i'd have the ability to really separate everyone else that's there and enjoy my time with the person that is there and who I'm trying to meet because that was my one beef is that a lot of the a lot of the women were really worrying about the other girls and I get it like there is a lot of emotional and mental turmoil with all of that but if you go in there with the realization that you were all dating the same guy in the sense of like 
of, of course things are going to happen and stuff like that but just enjoy the moment enjoy the guy for who he is and if you have a connection with him you have a connection with him frick everyone else that's there just enjoy it for, for when it's there so i found it very interesting watching new zealand bachelor it's not the american bachelor or bachelorette that's for sure it's definitely not a saucy but i just i love it from a, a social experiment point of view so bachelor once again i enjoyed it for my guilty pleasure it's funny how similar that is to the mindset of auditioning particularly a group audition which sometimes happens you know you sit in the hallway and i mean this is kind of a generic uh, American story like you sit in the audition corridor and there's 20 people that oh, look yeah, like surrounded. you and, but yeah you have to just shut all those other people off whether it's you know someone leaving the audition room as you go in or you go out and you see someone and they're like better looking than you or you feel that go there's nothing I can do about that person it's about mm. the connection between me and the casting director exactly very very similar to what you've just explained yep. and, and getting yep. over that hump whether it be auditions or how you process the bachelor is a similar kind of, of thinking. So that's an interesting, an interesting link. A little, little tie in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the, the, the woman they got picked, I thought was absolutely lovely. I think those two will do really well. It'd be interesting to see. Um, there's actually one more episode where they're actually getting everyone back. So it's just going to, it's going to be a very saucy episode. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. Uh, all of this can be found on NZ uh, on demand. If you are interested in, in picking up and watching the bachelor or bachelorette, um, if you're into that guilty pleasure, but yeah, that is one thing that I have been watching, uh, on TV. <laughs> really quickly. Have you followed the the latest saga of the most recent Matt James bachelor? No, I haven't been watching Matt James. No, uh, Matt James has popped up on my TikTok a few times, but I really haven't been paying attention. Do you think you'll watch it or not? Because if you won't... Probably not. Nah, probably not. So the long story short is that uh, season, massive amounts of of drama, girls hating each other, rumors, yeah, 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 more so than usual. And then I'd say six episodes before the end. So on air, there were maybe five to six women still left it came out that one of the contestants still in the show people had outed her on tiktok as having attended uh antebellum parties in the past so the old south considered you know racially inappropriate to be at those parties um more stuff about like posts that she had liked and so six weeks from the end people saying well you know is she is this person gonna win blah 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 the drama and then of course that person won oh interesting so she won the show and then they had to have the the final the recap after the final rose which would normally be lots of people in this case it was just a couple because obviously the awkwardness or also the the host of the show has stepped down because he defended her and the network was like dude you can't cancelled yeah basically uh so the worst ending to a bachelor because they're not together anymore and there's no way that they would be back together because matt james uh being i think he's uh mixed race but certainly uh would regard himself as black in appearance yeah yeah american he he there's just no chance he can ever forgive this person or the ongoing so what a what a horrible thing to go through yeah to get right to the end you really think you found the one yeah and you just see true colors like that's horrible. That's and you know so what? Sad. I, I'm the the woman who won but didn't win, Rachel. I'm sure she's fine as a person because uh, honestly, 
it was one of those things of like ignorance is bliss and i'm sure if it had never come out they would have probably stayed together happily ever after but it's learning something about someone and then it becomes public perception and imagine if you stayed with that person yada 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 that's Um, your life now but but yeah that was the last season of of the bachelor in the last few weeks just no happiness at all that's Um, so sad that's bachelor, so sad. bachelor chat bachelor chat yeah well hey it'll be back we could do a bachelor side episode bro you, you and i watch the episodes and talk about them i bet someone's already doing that anyway they probably don't yeah true need it but yeah that'd be that'd be cool to see it from the point of view of uh two cis gendered heterosexual males <laughs> yep yep i'm sure lots of people want to yeah, right, right. Um, um, I have one other thing yeah, to yeah. present and what I have seen, and that was last night. Um, I ventured out into the world of Auckland, as I haven't done a lot of. Um, but I, I got a message from Britt, who is a, um, a really close friend of mine up here, and we've hung out a few times up here in Auckland. And she messaged me. She was like, hey, do you want to see some theatre? And I was like, heck yes, um, I do. I'm in a very big, like, yes moment in myself and just saying yes to things um so yeah she asked me to do some theater i was like yeah let's do it so we went to basement um and last night we saw a show called uh, dirty passports and it was amazing the premise of the show is basically um slam poetry and there were six uh different artists all sitting on stage there was also an mc uh and a uh, um technician on stage as well for lights and uh uh, music and things and it was it was really lovely refreshing in the sense of went into the show and um the MC was really there just for like uh, <laughs> introduced they were um like a palate cleanser um for everything that was going on and really just told us stories and cracking jokes and just real real um like it wasn't formal at all it was very chill which was a lovely environment to be in um and yeah one by one um they all came up and it was Basically, it was called Dirty Passports because all of these people were from, um, you know, diverse areas in life, mm. um, whether sexuality or ethnicity. Um, and they basically did slam poetry in the sense of just presenting values and ideas and prejudice that, preju- prejudices that they've been through. And um, it was really vulnerable, but at the same time also funny and beautiful. And some of the way that these people were able to, you know, put words together and and tell a story and and how they were feeling and what they've been through was actually like really magical i haven't been to a lot of slam poetry before um but i can say that the show dirty passports was was invigorating in a way of i mean i i am obviously i'm not the most diverse person in the world i obviously have a little bit of difference to me um but just seeing these different people on stage and, and sharing their stories was 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 really lovely and sweet and, and me and Britt came out of that show just being like, Wow, that was amazing. You know, it wasn't it was just it was it was slam poetry, but in its own hour format of people presenting their stories and it was great it was absolutely great unfortunately tonight's the last night um so for everyone when they they hear this uh it won't be on anymore if you are in auckland um but if it ever does pop up again dirty passports if they ever put it on or i'm not entirely sure um just great really really great environment and basement's great as well honestly it's really cool and hanging out with brit as well um 
I value Britt very much as a friend and she is very much doing doing what you're doing as well. You know, she did um, the actors program up here and she's starting uh, to get representation and doing things. So I had a big conversation with her last night about a few of the things that we talked about as well. Um, so I'm surrounded by people that are doing the work, which makes me really want to start doing the work. But I did just briefly want to talk about Dirty Passports and how it was just amazing. Yeah, it sounds like a great show. Hopefully it tours because i'd love to see it um even though i get the the benefit of this live i still can't go and see it even <laughs> even if i tried to go and book a flight i might not make it time but that's okay um neither of my uh what are you watching uh shares uh particularly meaningful shall we say um, but i thought i'd shout them out um maybe the reason why my brain went to tom hanks before was because I think about a week ago, I rewatched one of my favorite films growing up. And one of the films that always used to make me cry, I'm not a big crier in, in films. It was basically this and Return of the King. Um, and what I believe is one of Tom Hanks' best performances. Have you seen The Terminal? Oh, uh, not in a very long time. It's the film. I couldn't. Yeah, I, think I couldn't. Based on a true story where Tom Hanks' character uh, gets stuck in one of New York's airports because his country has a civil war and passports not okay. And it's all about him coming to, to live in this airport. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, it's a comedy, but some really sad, somber moments. It's a great watch just over two hours. And part of the reason why I wanted to watch it was something hit me and I went, ah, airports are so fascinating. I want to watch a film in an airport. And I really enjoyed having a film that was just set in one place because you become familiar with that place throughout the film mm. and it's sort of there's a nice constant warm feeling to it rather than say a film that goes all over lots of different locations so the terminal if it's not a film you've seen before it's absolute tom hanks classic great for a kind of light watching uh evening and then also watch this film for the first time that i'd never heard of before um called never let me go 2010 film uh, directed by uh, Mark Romanek um, based on a, a novel uh, a 2005 novel uh, and it's a dystopian tra- teenage tragedy type story um, I won't go into the specifics because there's certainly some sort of spoiler aspects around it but very interesting like 90 minutes a singular idea of a not that dystopian dystopia um an amazing cast kira knightley uh dom hall gleason um oh, who else was in it uh, oh, i can't even think andrew garfield was in it oh. um carrie carrie wilson carrie wilson maybe carrie wilson um but amazing cast for what was a very small film and after 90 minutes kind of finished it and it was one of those like oh that was a bit of a weird concept but also not that much happened um yeah never let me go it was it was different <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you want to watch something different um yeah true no i've never i've i was i tilted my head up trying to think if i had ever seen this before or advertised and i don't think i have i think that flew under my radar a little yeah uh yeah it was carrie mulligan Kieran knightley andrew garfield uh dom Gleason, and some other people but yeah i've been watching wow. a lot more films recently and, and i've been really enjoying just 90 minutes two hours slice of life slightly different uh vibes i'm trying to watch at least at least one a week so well, yeah enjoy I- both of those 
nice. I got to say, if you're enjoying, uh, this is my last one. If you're enjoying half an hour to two hour movies, don't watch Justice League. The Snyder <laughs> Cut. The Snyder Cut is four hours long, and it's 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 ridiculously long. I quickly to say through it. I mean, if you've seen the first Justice League, watch the Snyder Cut because it is better. If you haven't seen the first Justice League, good. Don't watch it. Just watch the Snyder Cut because the Snyder Cut is definitely better um, than than the redo. Um, I, I felt really bad for um, Snyder and everything that happened there. He started the project. He wanted to go a direction. Warner Bros. didn't want to go that direction, so he left it. Someone came and finished his movie, completely ripped it to shreds, and then Warner Bros. during last year were like, actually, we can capitalize on this. Snyder, would you like to come back and at least finish your movie? But we're not going to make you do any more movies after that. And he was like, yeah, okay, sweet, I'll finish my movie. And he's he's done it. So he's tried to wrap up, well, he couldn't really, but he had a plan to do two more um, Justice League movies after this one. Um, and you could definitely tell that at the end of the four hours it wanted to go somewhere, but he had to kind of wrap it up in a different way and stuff. Um, if you don't like slow-mos, don't watch it. Um, if you don't like DC, don't watch it. <laughs> For me, it's a superhero movie. I love my superhero movies. I love that genre. But personally, I feel like Marvel just does it so much better than what DC has done in creating their cinematic universe. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. I think they put a lot more emphasis and kind of gave Batman. Like, I felt really sorry for Affleck and everything with him being Batman. This movie definitely gave him the best arc so far, and we're not getting him anymore. Um, but yeah, visually beautiful movie. A lot of slow-mos, not really my style. Um, but yeah, four hours long. So if you can commit an afternoon or a night with a few few boxes of, not boxes, bowls of popcorn and a few, few bevies of some sort, then you might enjoy it. Um, otherwise, stay away from it. <laughs> Well, there you go. No shortage of recommendations from our, from us this week. So you've got no excuses to not get out there and watch something. Um, hey, we should definitely wrap up. Give me your final thoughts on Pernicious Weed. What's oh, your, what I, your final thoughts, your ranking? I, yeah, I really like this beer. Um, to be honest, I gave the Parrot Dog one quite a high ranking last week. And I, I definitely rank this one above it. So with my parrot dog, I think I'm going to bring it back down to probably, I said, I said an 8.9. I'll probably bring it back down to like a 7.8 of wow, some sort. Wow, that's a massive change in scale. Dave yeah, Portnoy would not approve. I know, but I, I, I really love this beer and I feel like it would probably take that 8.9 position and it's definitely better than the parrot dog, Keith. Um, it's great. It's full. Um, I really like hoppy beers, um, and it's definitely my favorite hoppy beer that I've ever had. Nice. Um, I think I gave the summer last week a 6.7 or 6.0. Yeah, it was a 6.7. Uh, the happy days I've enjoyed much more. Um, have a last little sip. It's just, it's easy drinking, but not in a, this has no flavor, easy drinking. And it's quite sweet, I think, which Mm. I enjoy from my beer. Um, I'll give it a I'll give it an eight point four. It's a really nice. really solid. That's a that's a solid. solid happy score. days is a yeah. it, it, it's it's um reliable. Happy yeah, days. reliable. Um, would have again, <laughs> which I won't. Not on this show at least. <laughs> Next True. week, week three. Could it be the week? Week three. Unlikely. Brilliant. The statistics say unlikely. Probability. <laughs> but, Probability. Yeah, it's not stats. 
probability. The, the, probab- the probability says no. But yes, if you are tuning in every week once again with our brew, uh, brulette, um, if we so happen to get the same beer that week, get on social media straight away, take a screenshot of that episode, um, hashtag brulette, tag us in it as well, and tell us what beer that is, and you'll be winning uh, the pot that is in there at that current time. Um, so keep on coming in if you're liking the content or if you want some beverages yeah and if you hate the rest of the show you can always just listen to the first five minutes and see if we and then it's done yeah. and then get on out um and it'll still count as download for us so we don't no listen to the whole thing no listen no to the no, whole no, thing. no no um thank you for this week my bro it's been a real nice one the the sun has actually just come out in wellington over the last wee while so i'm gonna oh, lucky. hang up debrief i've got to go move a washing machine very quickly oh. after this so it's it's all it's all still to it's be happening. played for on this thursday evening but thank you for <laughs> for this week um and to everyone out there listening thank you for listening as ever no thank you i um really appreciate your insight in the world that i'm trying to get more into um so i value that very much and yeah as you said we'll see you next week guys yeah pleasure all that's left to be said is we'll see you next time Peace. I'll be Stuck in the ground I'll be waiting for you to come around Hi, I'm Fearful Jesuit, host of The Paranoid Strain, a show that explains conspiracy theories to normal people. Every episode is carefully researched, fully scripted, and incorporates interviews, audio clips, original music, and a bunch of nonsense to explain the history, impact, and bizarre beliefs related to one conspiracy topic at a time. We're doing an extensive series on secret societies. You know, the Knights Templar, the Freemasons, the Illuminati. And we'd love to have you along for the ride. New episodes drop every two weeks, wherever you get your podcasts.